0: Welcome everyone to our second episode of Mere Finance. In this episode, we'll talk about inflation worries and where those, the bulk of that inflation comes. I'm here with Juan Carrasero. Juan, how are you? Doing good. And you? Pretty good. So Juan is from Argentina. He has been in the United States for six years. I think, no, by now, almost 10. 10 years. He yeah. holds a master's in investment management from Temple University. Now he works in, for Penn Mutual. Could you tell us about a little bit of what you do on your daily basis? So yeah, yeah of course.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, as of right now, on the daily basis, I'm in the derivative and hedging team. So we have around about $30 billion under management. And my team's job is to pro- produce, uh, provide analytics for all the portfolio managers and hedge our positions according to the expectations of the market and the Fed policies in the future, long-term and short-term. Oh, interesting. And as being a mutual, what what does
0: that entail instead of being a public company? Is there a different way?
1: Well, we do have a lot of regulations based on what we can invest. Okay. Um, all the bonds we can buy. We cannot just go... We have a minimum uh, ratings. Basically, it comes down to ratings. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. So, liking and sharing interest. Yeah. So, what we're talking
0: about today is especially in the meat, chicken, and pork sectors. Um, we know in the United States, it's one of the biggest consumers of, of livestock, actually, 100 kilos per person a year on average while India is around five. So Australia and the United States are at are the top two. Um, we're also seeing enormous pressure in the CPI. So the CPI is the Consumer Price Index, and it's a measure of the average change over time in prices paid by consumers on a basket of, of consumer goods and services. How does that differ from
1: the PCI? Well, uh, PCI... Is an in indice, index in the indice as well, but these measure the, the change in prices as the products leave or the producer or the products are sold from the producer.
0: Okay, interesting. So both are looking at, one is looking at how the consumer spends and the other is looking at how the producer sells, correct? Exactly. So what we're seeing around is like 54 percent year to year which is enormous as the last 10 years we have been around two to three percent um and basically what the white house said is that the meat processor companies such as tyson foods which is going to be our focus today are one of the main responsible parties Hmm. so the issue here is that uh they control around 60 to 70 percent of the market share so by microeconomics definition, an oligopoly is when five companies, so the top five companies, control more than sixty percent of the market share. So in other cases, let's see, you have um, ten candies,
1: <laughs>
0: and you the top five companies are selling more than six of those candies. So those, those that's the situation currently, and if you could provide more overview of Tyson Foods.
1: Of course, uh, Tyson, Tyson Foods, compared to the competitors, as of right now, they do have a lead over them, even though the last previous days, the market cap has been decreasing a little bit. Uh, but, if you look at the financials of Tyson Foods, they compared to the range of peers, there, the peers... For example, um, if I want to say the free, uh, earnings per shares, let's put it mm-hmm. in the simple way, the peers right now are trading at around 14%, whereas Tyson Food right now is at 65.5%. Wow. So yes, it is pretty above the competitors that doing pretty well as you've mentioned. Uh, although they have had some issues in the in the last days, uh, they, they're being sued, sued by Washington State uh, for the allegedly raising prices mm-hmm. uh, over a chicken conspiracy saying they've been inflating prices over the last years. I don't know. I will say the last 10 years, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at, at the same time, even though because of this suspicion or this uh, lawsuit, the company has been under fire. It's been crazy to see how even though the stock market the stock price went down, the twenty-day average of the shares increased fourteen percent in the last twenty days. Wow. And the option trip on the call option volume triple as well in the same period of time. Meaning just that this is just this this present could be just something that will go away probably in two, three weeks, or that's what the market is pricing at right now, this company.
0: So investors look very confident. It seems that the issue here, if you look at the balance sheets, not only of Tyson Foods and more companies, is that the input costs are way lower than the actual prices, correct?
1: Uh, correct. Yes.
0: If you, We see it here in what the White House said, by 2016, the cattle value, so the amount of money that Tyson Foods and other companies pay the the ranchers or the people that own the cattle, was around two hundred and sixty cents per pound, and they were selling by three hundred and twenty. Today, like twenty twenty one, that same cost, the input price has decreased slightly to like two hundred and fifty, but the price that they are being selling this is at four hundred and twenty. So you can see this is not an issue like other industries where the input prices are the ones that are driven costs. This is just pure profit, pure margins. So that's something that we should, should keep uh, uh Why do you think they we are able to,
1: to hold those huge margins? Well, uh, there's always two sides of the coin, i say. My point of view. I believe this is it because they they are taking advantage of a position and somewhat even though they're being sold by Washington State, we already say that. I think they have they're comfortably comfortably in a position where there is high barriers to enter the market. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for a new company or a new firm to get into the industry and, and start producing or packaging the meat. It's just to you can call it lobby. They need to lobby in, in DC or or just the power, these five, six companies you mentioned have, and they make it impossible for lower companies to get in. Sure. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, if you call, let's say let's say we have this, this, this chance, this opportunity, opportunity to call the CEO from Tyson, he recently, recently said the increase in prices are due to high uh, labor demands, labor union mm-hmm. demands, as well as the COVID pandemic, uh of course because they have less less employees so that's their that's their side of the story uh, mm-hmm. they say it's not just as the market pay, uh, paints it it's more of issues they're struggling and if you remember well a few months ago there was a shortage in chicken in the u.s correct there was no chicken wings for example in any restaurant mm-hmm. you go to follow wings and there was no wings so yeah, it's it's, it's becoming a, a current issue that
0: um, they're saying that there is some input costs and supply change issues. As you say, Tyson Foods, for, for example, holds 33% of the market share in chicken. The second one is Pilgrim Pride Corporation with 24%, and the third is Sanderson's Farm with 8%. So they pretty much hold oh, 60. around 62%. Uh, in beef, Tyson food holds 48.5% and 61% of the whole revenue. Then in pork, they hold 17% of total revenue and 10% of market share. And surprisingly in pork, we haven't seen numbers skyrocket Skyrock as the other um, companies. So um, it's very interesting. Would you say then that the ranchers and the producers are being are not affected because if they are selling their cattle or the livestock livestock the same price while the meat processor is just charging more to the consumers do you think there's there should be a different way how they negotiate this oh I, this
1: price? for sure I, I do not think they're being affected as they're still selling but they're missing out. So they're being affected by the opportunity because they're missing by not being able to sell higher, uh, a higher prices or negotiating better deals. But mm-hmm. going back to what you mentioned earlier, it is hard because there's so little options for them to sell. I mean, you just call, you just said it. Let's say I want to sell chickens. Just three firms have 60% of the market. So Correct. if I don't sell to them in big, big chance of, of uh, chicken or amount of chickens, then there is only a forty percent left spread in small companies, these small firms that they would not be able to buy from me the same quantity I need to sell in order to make profit. So are they being affected? Are they being affected by this? Do not think so, but I do believe they're missing out.
0: Yeah, I agree. Also, we can see that um, the U.S it is 41% of the land so around like 100 million acres That's to nice. feed farm animals um, cattle so in other words you are seeing ranchers that have to put a lot of money to buy land and a lot of natural resources just to to feed the animals and at the same time they they cannot just it's not like some like animals can be um, like like an inventory, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like in logistics, you just put them. Oh, you just put it for next year, so now you have to actually sell them. So they also have; they don't have any price, price power. Correct. 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 So there's something interesting here. Um, how is in Argentina? You we know Argentina is probably the most country, the biggest country in in livestock livestock production, I believe. Mm-hmm is the market there very concentrated as well or the top quality goes for exports
1: and then the rest for local consumption how is well the the main consumption in argentina there is yes one main company i do not know the name now uh which is owned by a businessman uh, has been in his family for a long time now it is i wouldn't say when it comes to exporting, I wouldn't say the best it's been exported. We, the the industry does have a lot of support from the government. Uh, mm-hmm. My understanding is they do have uh, a lot of subsidies, uh, or at least they make making state in the country because this one of the pillars where this this presidency based on the the candidacy, right? It has to stay for the people. It has to. We have to feed our own. Now that's a speech they preach. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's being practiced. Mm-hmm. But that is the the goal. I would I would say, when it comes to exporting or importing, there's no difference. We do have meat, and the price of meat is not that expensive in Argentina since everyone's producing it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the, when it, the, the issue in South America and Argentina the most is just the devaluation of the currency and the the, the inflation not Correct. itself the price, it's just not being able to keep up with the salaries to pay for mm-hmm. the meat.
0: And that's a great point you make, because based on what the World they, like the World Bank says, meat consumption tends to rise as we get richer. Mm-hmm. So you can see how we can share with our viewers probably in Twitter the graph we are looking and the United States, for example, consumed, like I say, by 2017, Around 120 kilograms of meat per person per year, and the average GDP per capita is around 58,000. Then we have see countries like Colombia, which they only consume 60 kilos, and the per capita is 15. So, and you can see that the Germany, the Spain, the Ireland, the South Korea, the United Arab Emirates, they all surpass 50,000 in gdp per capita and they all surpass 80 kilos per capita Uh, 80 kilos of meat per person so what you're saying is actually very interesting Uh, there's a great correlation between mean consumption and gdp per capita so based on that we can see that maybe tyson Foods is not what they have painted as a blue collar business but more of a actually a a business that thrives when there are more resources coming into one country. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree with that, yes. Um, The only exception in the graph we're looking at is Argentina and Brazil. Uh, Argentina consumes around 110 kilograms, but their per capita is only like 25K. And Brazil, like 100 kilograms of meat, and their per capita is 15K. So to go to another topic, you mentioned unions um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: when we were in the 1900s we could see that we were an industrial like the war was an industrial power so workers were being exploded and then unions came now we are more a war of services so is there any justification still for unions well
1: personally I'm against unions I think they just Make it harder to work. Uh, it works as a mafia in a way. In mm-hmm. ma- the way I see it, either you're in or you're out. And if you're out, you're missing out. You are, you no, know, you you won't you won't have as many benefits as they tell you they fight for. But at the same time, you have no no freedom to negotiate your own salary because in theory they're mm-hmm. doing it for you.
0: Okay.
1: So it. My, I, I could see, I could understand benefits. Some people would explain to me. Uh, I'm, yes, I see them, but it's, they don't off, They do not offset the the negative they bring. Uh, these companies, as a big as a business man, if you always think, if you always think as a business man, you you own your business. Given the chance of going to a, a state in the U.S., different states have different regulations towards uh, labor unions. Correct. Such as South Carolina, is a, a the free to work. I think it's called where there are no labor unions. If you have your company and you are you are faced with choose with choosing, open your headquarters say in DC, famously for having a lot of labor unions, or South Carolina where not only there is no labor unions, it's cheaper. What do you think the company is going to go? there uh there's been examples uh, boeing boeing is one of these companies that left uh i, I believe it was DC to go to South Carolina correct uh it, it makes yeah. everything harder that's a regulation
0: uh, will at work and then mm. right to work
1: right um, to work yes yes
0: will 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 at work is when less unions are right to work is when work is considered um like a right so then unions have more power um but you can see, for example, so we will share this in our Twitter, is as union membership increased, then actual wages decreased from nineteen seventy to today. But at the same time, I believe the issue here is not much as unions, it's it's I think way more complex. Because if these companies have the power to price their products and whatever well, we are in a free market, kind of, uh, whatever they think their demand, the supply is in equilibrium, right? If they have that price power. And I think we can also look at the at the government, right? Because as you were saying, with a size of 60% of market share, probably they have enough power to control the market
1: and the government. Would you agree? Uh, I agree, definitely. I mean, with that kind of market market share, between three companies, they can pretty much dictate what's going to happen.
0: I agree. So one of the issues that we are looking is the FDA. So the Federal Drug Administration, which I think is surprisingly for those that are not in the United States, that one company controls the drug regulation and also food. Would you say that's kind of interesting
1: there? interesting to say the least who is, <laughs> who is to regulate them outside the government at the same time let's say you fully trust the government which that's already a mistake I would say mm-hmm. but then if if one if two companies if two people or two organizations they share all power to, to regulate and distribute then who's to say who is doing the things right or wrong if it's up to them there's no wrong Correct. So um,
0: Tyson Foods actually has been having some violations with the FDA, but they've never been actually fined or anything. So you you start suspecting that either the FDA is very lenient with them or they are probably doing a really good job in, in quality control and Tyson Foods. But what we see is that I think that from a mark a financial perspective if you have as the fda always looking at you and you're probably going to to also try to to make those regulations a little tougher so actually you are going to use that oversight that the fda is providing you as your weapon right because if the fda regulates a lot that industry then that's an advantage for you because then no new competitors will come.
1: Exactly. Do you agree with me? Exactly. And I going back to what we mentioned earlier, about the barriers to get into the industry. So exactly. It, it, it just crea- creates a business cycle with no entries whatsoever. Uh, you go in, you have to go through all these, like you just say, all these regulations that because the big companies have been in the industry for longer or they can surpass them or they have been able to pass them with ease, a company that just started unless they have some kind of help or they want, because it just made so they won't it, this is made in a way that they won't succeed
0: all right and i think what you said um, about new competitors and the help that you probably will get from the from the government is actually true so in barriers to entry to be more specific uh there are different types so I'm going to list them and if you could say if we are looking at at one here in this case or not. So capital costs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You, you agree do we have capital costs
1: as a barrier to entry? Uh, yes, I would not say it's the biggest one. Uh because you could you could have the capital. Let's say you just happen to have it, you could. But it definitely does not make cheap to to a, a, abide by all the regulations, so right. that, that makes it harder. Yes. What about legal barriers? Well, that that is a I think bigger one compared to capital cost. It, it goes back to all the things you have to surpass more in the food industry. A limited market. I
0: think I'm going to jump on that. I think <laughs> as we see, the United States is a prosperous country, so there is no limited market. If anything, there is an underserved market because people love meat. And then yeah. um, the mastery of technology, would you say that's
1: a barrier to entry? Mastery of technology. Uh, that's, a, that's a tricky one. I wouldn't say so. I would say nowadays every company has access to pretty much a lot of technology and they're easy to improve. Now you have copyrights uh, laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, that make might make it complicated to imitate uh, technology but we've seen in the past that not matter not mattering most a lot yeah. and then in a meat processor is actually you don't need much it's
0: just probably yeah. having a good line of production and then um, just being able to to pass that line with efficiency um, I think we I would say that in, another barrier to entry is the predatory pricing as we are seeing yeah. And then um economies of scale. Because as we can see, as you said, that is a very clear point. We will expand that. When you have so much power over the ranchers and the people that own the cattle, you can just negotiate whatever price you want with them. Correct? Correct. Exactly. So I have a friend actually, her his mom sells to Walmart and Walmart pays them three months after unless you go to one program is called uh like fast lane payments so mm-hmm. they take a 10 percent cut and they pay you like the next week so that's that's actually that's power because when walmart can oh i can pay you three months later so i can use that cash to invest exactly or i can just take a 10 percent discount and
1: pay you less so. exactly and you see there uh they are so big like we we were talking I touched on it earlier. They're so big; they can do it. They can manage the market, uh, and I'm sure I don't know how big, how big the amount of the company of your friend is, but I'm sure Walmart must be one of the biggest customers, if not the biggest one. Yeah, so or probably for some people, the only one. Exactly. So are they in a position to go looking for another client somewhere else? No, not really. So they accept the ten percent cap to get paid now. Or they they prefer to get those three months later, and you said it. They get paid three months later. Uh, Walmart, I'm sure Walmart already pays really low rates. So they they use that money to offset, invest, uh, mm-hmm. and then that's how they they have the business the business they have.
0: Exactly correct. So, um, I think there is a combination here of um, pricing power and then the barriers to entry like we talked but also some government regulations and we can see for example the dot frank act which happened in 2009 although it's a different industry in the banking industry it shows that commercial banking and little regional bankings basically disappeared by 60 percent because the only banks that were able to (laughs) to comply (laughs) with all those regulations were the, the big banks so that's something we could take a look but because we're not going just to uh, criticize and see what the problem is. We are also bringing some solutions. So I will say um, if you could provide any solutions,
1: what would they be? Uh, one solution could be the plant-based meat. Okay. It has grown in popularity around the States and worldwide, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, personally... As my personal opinion, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> but that is me. I do know it's popular. There is a lot of uh, there is a lot of vegan uh, people in, in around the world that has increased and they consuming it, and they can tell you there is no difference in taste. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: so that is one option I can think of.
0: Okay. Do you think, well, based on someone like you, that um, not here to stereotype, but. <laughs> Argentinians are usually very in love with their meat, their wine. And their exactly.
1: Cycle.
0: So you think it's a... Those companies like Beyond Meat, for example, do they require more marketing? Or it's just a certain generation, like uh, gen- the boomers that don't like it. What do you think is, is lacking for more adoption of, of the plant? Uh, yes. Uh,
1: I think... It's a generation, like you would said. Um, okay. I think it just comes to the concept like of not accepting meat because it's, it's not meat in a way, even though it tastes like meat. But I think it just changing a uh, generation, a cycle of people that they just eat it, they, and it opens the door to a different market
0: mm-hmm.
1: because I am unaware but that industry, that specific niche. As a plant-based meat, might be less regulated. Probably there is more options, more buyers, different. So I think once it becomes more adopted, also you could increment, uh, improve marketing. Why not? Uh, but once it becomes more adopted and more more ad- uh, worldwide, uh, that could be a, one one sol- one of many solutions uh, that is one I can think of right now. All right, I I think the, also the issue is like um. um they
0: try to, like you say, it's a very good point, like a niche,
1: mm-hmm.
0: instead of like a more broad product. So because it's a niche, then it's a luxury good. And then you also need your margins, so you raise your prices. So I think it has to be a shift in that sense from a business perspective. Instead of looking at it as a luxury good, look at a more like a consumer good now. So more people can buy it. Of course, your margins will go lower. But if your production goes up, then you probably could upset your, your margins, correct? Correct. Correct. And also, as you say a lot of people don't don't have much knowledge of how this meat actually or well plant-based meat actually uh is created. There's a lot of means don't not much trust on if it's like from chemicals or made in a laboratory. So I think it's important. But I could be a solution. I think as the older generations become more the retirees and not the consumers, then we will see probably a, a shift in that, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. I think as people are getting older and the younger generations are growing as well, uh, you can see it in investing areas, ESG. Mm-hmm. Uh, companies are becoming popular that probably before they had the same product, but the only thing they change is the policies. ESG, by the way, is the environmental social governance of each company. Mm-hmm. So by sharing, they they have chosen to have a more diverse board or better practices, you know, when, for example, growing, uh, uh, producing any business, or if you're in the meat businesses, you know, you could argue you are doing more ecological practices, becomes mm-hmm. more popular. So that is a trend you see in investing that I, I believe it will, Move towards all all other industries beyond investing and plant-based milk could be an example of this.
0: Okay, interesting.
1: Yeah, because as you said, for example, in the
0: case of livestock, mm-hmm. usually any like one animal, one cow, one one pork, they usually consume between three to thirty gallons of water per day. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot. Hello. Basically, it will be one gallon of water per one hundred pounds of the cow which is a little high. And as you say, I think the shift in investment is becoming more into companies that are uh, environmentally friendly. So, exactly. Um, I also like to point in that we have here an issue of the supply. I wouldn't say the supply, but um, the way we see this market as a, from the consumer to the producer. So... Um, I don't know if in you like to go to the farmer's market. <laughs> I've been, yes, yes. I do yes. like going there. So usually in, for example, in Bogotá, the people that make the most money are not the farmers, not the ranchers, and are not even the supermarkets where the final product comes. They are the intermediary. And in this case, Tyson Foods is an intermediary because they are the meat processors. Right? They get the, the, the cattle and then they Process it and then they sell it to supermarkets. So I think if we are able to provide more spaces for those ranchers or for those that grow their crops, well, I'm talking another industry, to be closer to the consumer, will you think this will help?
1: Oh, it will help tremendously. It would. It would also. It would also allow them to grow the client, the client, the client's uh, base, uh, and mm-hmm. who knows, probably be able to. Probably shift away some of some of the products from bigger clients to probably smaller but more diverse, and then mm-hmm. eventually even, even out of the playfield for them.
0: Right. Although we they would need um, some sort of machinery to process the meat. Yes. Yes. Well, what we're talking about here, for example, in Costa Rica they have what we they call Feria del Agricultor, so the agriculture
1: mm-hmm. like market
0: where every Friday space, it's like around like five blocks, so they just also five blocks and the farmer farm has to pay like, I think, five dollars. So, and they each have like, I'll say like, mm, like 20 square feet, maybe a little more for their, to be there and just sell their products. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually cheaper because people go there and then you you create a relationship with the the farmer so you you want your your apples so you go directly to one of the farmers for the farmer it's cheaper because they can just pick out their crops uh, put it in the truck drive to the city and then sell them themselves and then for the consumer it's also cheaper because you have to pay so many intermediary prices so I think this could be a Um maybe helping the ranchers, being able to to sell their somehow process their meat and sell it to uh to their consumer. So we shorten
1: yeah that distance between the, the producer and the, the consumer. And looking at this, what you just mentioned, uh and now we are thinking aloud, what you're doing is just opening the market in a way, el- el- eliminating mm-hmm. all the regulations and the barriers. Right. So all of a sudden, you see all these smaller businesses. Uh, let's just call them small businesses, which at the end w- w- is what they are. The markets, mm-hmm. the, we are the market we go by, we regulate. We buy something, we don't like it, w- it makes yeah, it exactly. We don't go anymore there, we go to the next one. So we are the ones regulating according to our experiences, or you tell me, I don't go, don't go there, I bought that one, I didn't like it. So we just eliminated hundreds and hundreds of people in between Mm -hmm. uh which what makes it cheaper and more efficient because if i know you you show me something i'm gonna go back to you and tell you jefferson this was bad uh Mm -hmm. so you had the feedback you need to improve it or or not or just say you know what i don't care and i think that's what we see the issue this it makes it it is made so hard to break into the food industry because of regulation and they are so content with how the things are working that it's just impossible for smaller businesses to break in. No, I agree 100%. Uh, for example, in Costa Rica, sometimes when I go and
0: visit, I, I buy my meat from that agricultural market. And then when I want a, a bigger asado or barbecue, I just talk to the, the guy and, and he gives me a better price. And and exactly. he... I can choose my my own cuts. Um Though, um, because it's a uh, processed food, then um, I don't think the FDA should come here, but maybe the the Secretary of Agriculture, the Agricultural Department, comes if if the ranches are well clean, if well, the, of course, yes, the food, um, like all the processes are are uh, clean, you know, so forth, but not to the the other side when you have to. Just go and sell it to the factory and then the factory gets like Tyson Foods in this case regulated. So actually the, I think the Department of Agriculture should should step here and do what you say instead of regulating Tyson foods, maybe regulate a little more the, the small producers see if they are doing a good job taking care of their animals. So when they're selling the product, it's actually cleaner. Exactly. And then um what about land? Will be because like we said forty-one percent of the US land is used for for cattle and livestock will you think maybe land could be having a different use for so we could maybe bring down prices to open the market
1: uh yes uh i, w- I will say so i will say uh the the thing is right now it, it will be hard for someone who doesn't have the land to use it but i think providing a, a solution for this issue of saying all right we can you can lease the land you can uh, Access this space for you to grow your, your crops or your cattle. I think that will help a lot. Yes.
0: Yeah. Though so the issue um, here is that with private property in the United States, it's like it's <laughs> sacred. So mm-hmm. telling maybe, oh, the, if you have land and it's not being, it's not productive, like unproductive land. Maybe you should give it to a farmer that can actually, or a rancher that can produce that could bring some. That's kind of a little of communism, but <laughs> I think <laughs> I think land, land efficiency. point I'm not sure of a way we could do it um, without putting in jeopardy uh, private property. But that's something we could look in another episode. Yeah.
1: Exactly. I mean, the government has so many employees doing nothing. <laughs> they could put some to work <laughs> and figure that out
0: exactly
1: um for, for example, example
0: when they say, Oh, this house, no one is living there, um so someone has someone that is homeless, we they just put it there, so that's how you start actually uh taking private property and then it becomes a national white <laughs> phenomenon and then come it can come, yeah, in yeah, right another case, so just to make a resume, we need tyson foods uh to stop there the way they're pricing their products, uh, the ranchers uh, regulate a little less the ranch. Some dash- and then also, also-, also- polygopoly try to bring down, them down. Uh, Plant based or uh, land leasing, as we were saying. Exactly. I agree. It has been a pleasure, um, it's been a great topic to debate because it's affecting everyone's pocket, especially in this inflation time. So we can, we are able to to prepare for the next time we we see an inflation, we don't blame something that is part of our everyday food.
1: Exactly. Uh, I agree. Uh, I enjoy it. Thank you, Jefferson, as well. Uh, i think this was a, a good conversation and uh i hope to hear the same people next week thank you juan oh thank you you're welcome jefferson
0: okay i ideas. Cheers. Gotcha. yes yeah,